So this service focusing, I want to I want to make this a focus service. Like I've been praying a few weeks, maybe it's even a month ago. I'm like I'm hit by pity parties, and uh, and and I felt like the Lord highlight to me ministries in this world that I want this body to serve. I want you guys to be involved, and you know, and I thought about there's a lot of things I don't know, and particularly we're going to highlight um, rooted. So she's going to come up here in a minute, and we're, we're going to ask her some questions, and we're going to find out about that ministry, and we're going to invest our hearts and our minds and our prayers into that ministry. And Jesus invited that ministry territory, and you know, I, I realized Dave and Tina own that ministry, and they felt called to it, but um, Jesus has called us to it too, and he's not even necessarily called to us in the same way. There's prayers that got to go into that ministry. There's young people that they don't know that you're praying for them. They don't know what God's about to do in their life. Dave and Tina don't know <laughs> what God's going to do through them. And as I listen to that song, the Lord's going to bless you and your family and your, their, your children and their children. And we're looking at this generation and praying for them in this, this country. And you know, we need something supernatural. There isn't just a good teaching that's going to get young people out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's no way that a preacher's just going to be able to say, hey, God only needs you to reach their hearts, to be able to bring them to what it means to find him and contend with him and minister to him. But when that happens, my blessing is that. And just real quick before I kind of finish here, it brings me back to my high school years. It brings me back to that time in my life. You know, I grew up in an alcoholic home. I grew up without any hope, so to speak. And I remember going to the youth group, and I was the hidden guy in school. I, I sat in the back, and I didn't talk to anybody. I was the guy whose darkness and his light and mixed with an introvert personality. You would have never gotten anybody to hardly, they, they, I was the least comfortable person ever to talk to. So you had to be quite a, a social person in order to get me to say my, feel like I could approach a conversation with you. And I see me today. And I see what God has done. And I, I want to I say that is because I remember my high school years feeling like Jesus did something so powerful and such a magnitude in my life that 
it took, it was really hard to be the shy kid in school. And so I wanted to share. I remember thinking to myself, I felt like the Lord had put it on my heart, was that if I came to this school, how long would it take for these kids to know, to know that I was here? And then I felt like this question posed to me, how long is it going to take for them to know the name of you? And I felt this personal obligation to reach my high school kids. Now, did I reach them? I didn't. But I did see some amazing things when I saw that in them, that they were uh, a young person who really had no past, who really had a lot of weaknesses, a lot of flaws, and a lot of suffering. And I believe that to some degree. But I believe it's going to happen. And it's more than just a story told. It's that we invest our hearts into that ministry. And you guys are praying. We're praying for Rooted. We're praying for these young people that are coming in and supporting this community and interceding and letting the Spirit of God lead us and show us God is here. And God forbid that any of us ever waste the opportunity to pray for these children. So I see my show ending now. Uh, we're going to do this and stay safe and healthy and spiritually and all that good stuff. And I want to hear those testimonies. And I'm looking forward to that. Tina, could you come up? I'd like to take that camera here. So what I'd like to do here is um, we're just going to have a question and answer time for her so that she can share. And then when she wants to, she can share extra or whatever. But I'd also like you guys, my chair falling apart here, um, I'd like you guys to, as you're doing this, I would like for you to take some time so that you can give your testimony. Um, I would like for you guys to think of questions that have hurt you too and what's on your heart to be able to share with Tina um, and find out about this ministry. Now think of it like this. I want you guys to think of it like this. What if God were calling me to it? <laughs> and I want you to think about it also. God is calling you to it. I want you to remember that because um, what I don't want and, and listen to me very carefully. I'm not looking for your support as a pastor necessarily. I was when I first got started with this. But what I realized was Jesus was looking for your support for what he's doing. And that's everything. So I'm not just singling Tina out because in your lives individually, every one of you should be up here and trying to pray. And we all should be concerned and wrapped up in what God's doing in each other's lives. So this is just the start of it. Let's just say that. It's just the start of what I would like to do. The other might be a reason is like, you know, James can't come up with a sermon every Sunday. <laughs> so, um, let's see, I had a few questions here. Tina, was there anything that you wanted to share right off before I asked my question? I hope that's on your mind. Did they tell me to share my background? That's fine. That was the next question I was going to ask. <laughs> so 25 years ago or so, um, I was newly divorced and attending church. One of my friends invited me to worship with him for the night. And I thought to myself, what have I got to offer that person? Yes, I was a Christian. situations in my uh, marriage, but 
I thought to myself, I don't know what to do with this time. I have to take the rest of it and get through. And um, that was, like I said, 24, 25 years ago, and they couldn't keep me away. And I started working with kids, and it paid for them. I decided that I wanted to do high school as well because I was single. I didn't have a family. Um, and I had nothing else to do, so I just hung out with teens. And that's how I met Dave. He volunteered as well with a girl that asked me out, a girl that asked me to volunteer. And we met each other while we're playing in youth group. And then the Lord um, brought us together um, as teachers. We didn't tell the teenagers how many groups we were too afraid of um, what would happen if we broke up um, <laughs> with the teens that tried. Um, you know, would there be pressure, that kind of thing. So we kept our relationship a secret, and our wedding was a mess for a couple of years. <laughs> and that's when the teenagers found out. <laughs> so, um, and then the Lord called us into ministry. Dave had just finished schooling as a clinical rec major and was going to go to work for the Parks and Rec Department. And um, he came home from work, like, probably two weeks after we got married. He had a job interview the very next day. The job for the kid was imaging and formality with the Parks and Rec Department, the City Parks and Rec Department. And he came home from work that day and he said, I feel like I'm not supposed to go on that interview tonight. And I was like, what? And he said, I want to work with teenagers. And he's just working with teens in the Parks and Rec Department. But he said, I want to be able to share Christ. And he said, but I can't be a youth pastor because I don't have a seminary degree. And so I said, well, I don't know if that's a limitation. Let's just start looking. And that was when internet was dial-up. <laughs> and so I jumped on AOL, and we had mail, and started looking and found a church down in Warrington, Oregon, Fred Oregon, that was looking for a youth pastor. And within a month and a half, we were going to how it got started, huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anybody else had any questions? I, I want to give this an opportunity for you guys. Any of you guys? Uh, if not, I got time. So about a year ago, we moved into our new building. Seemed like what was in the six months COVID hit, but we had outgrown the space we were in when we were in the professional building for the ESV, and we were in a few different rooms there. And my old boss said, "I need you to come back to work in my building because we need to do a um, Christmas Christmas gathering." And what a blessing that was that we found that we were just way too we had too many teens, especially on our Friday night to do a Friday night drop-in to the teenagers um, wedding for them to just come and hang out and get to know each other. So from just kids that had a little fun and play games and all that kind of stuff. And we were getting anywhere from 25 to 30 students that night in two separate rooms and a hallway that you could drive all around and stuff. And then the Lord allowed us to open up the doors and let people in to get into the building. And we had to keep one of them locked all the time. And 
just was really difficult. So moving into the new building, what a blessing to get to have that. But um, and then the main room and being like snack bars and everything, it was just eyeballs on display and everything. Um, and it just really allowed us to grow our tabernacle off when we were sort of being up to 40 people in the tabernacle. Um, when COVID hit, um, we suspended our Friday night offerings because we just couldn't do that to reach these people. Um, and just this past Friday night, we started to make a bunch of different snacks and things that were just delish. Um, really fun. And then last Friday night, we came and had sort of a Christmas party and just was able to provide some snacks and things that were just delicious and fun and delicious and delicious. So it's just like such a building has been a blessing. Um, it's enabled us to, um, even with COVID, um, being able to have six to ten beds in one room Originally, um, we didn't have existing vehicles, and Dave and I only had our truck and the existing five. And so we would borrow vans or SUVs, and so we thought, well, let's just have the teachers start carrying all their vehicles. And so <laughs> we asked them to pray, because um, Dave likes to tell them that the Lord loves to give them, but he especially loves to give them to you. So they started praying, and probably within a month, um, we received a check that enabled us to buy a vehicle. So we asked um, a local um, person to provide themselves vehicles at auction to look for a used suburban made for the budget um, at auction to find one for us. And he said they must have bid on like around 10 or 12 different used Suburbans or, um, what is it, the four, the Ford Explorer, I forget the, um, the bigger one, because we wanted an eight-seater, um, but not a van um, at the time. And um, every time he got outbid, and then his daughter found an Escalade at auction, and he was like, well, for some reason, Brandy, let's just bid on it. And they were the only bid. So we got it for what our budget was, um, which is shocking. <laughs> so that's why we have the money the way that we do, because we have the money to buy it because the Lord loves us and shows everybody he's thinking about you. So then when we started outgrowing the building, we decided, well, let's challenge the students to buy for the price we've ever spent. And so within a couple of weeks, we had a family come to us and say, we want to buy Rudy the building. We want to buy Rudy the place where they can meet, and we want to provide for their, or in, you know, this this suburban vehicle. And so um, we convinced our public trust fund building to take care of it. So the Lord just keeps blessing us in ways that we can't imagine. And if you guys actually look in the building, then I, I would encourage you to talk to Gina about getting an opportunity just to go see what they have there. And, you know, Willow County doesn't offer much to people that come from Amadoa. And uh, I would say out of Willow County's best, they've got as good as it's ever going to get. So, and all the testimony behind the things that they have is pretty amazing. And I, it seems like every time I go in there, there's always something new. Of course, I don't go in there real frequently, but the times that I've been there, there's always something new. No, we haven't had our bands put up yet. We're still waiting for that. <laughs> if 
got blinds for the whole building, so we got blinds up in the back so that they could come in and they had to shoot out some more immediate sun, but that's what we're doing. Our greatest needs right now, um, number one would be prayer. Um, you know, that's what you guys have covered the food pantry. Um, right now, we probably have the majority of our students in high school students, school students, the success that they're facing in school is really unique out of this whole semester. Um, and just that they would have a faith of their own and a hope of forgiveness, and that's what we want to try and create with our students this year. Just because their parents are Christians doesn't mean that they are, that they need to come back to themselves and own their own faith. We had a wish list on our Facebook page of things, you know, that were our greatest needs. And I went through it the other day, and we thought about it, um, which is awesome, because, um, you know, we were looking for um, t-ball, and we got one when we were looking for a pinball machine, which is awesome. So the Lord has really blessed the ministry, um, so right now our greatest need really is just prayer, prayer and probably volunteering in our life, um, because when we, it's just nice to have a couple more adults in the room, just keeping our ball on the pitch. One of the questions I had, I was thinking about this, wondering what makes rooted youth ministry tick. So as a as a youth ministry tick, what's your answer? So I don't know the questions ahead of time, so I have to answer them off the cuff. Um, what makes us unique? Um, number one, we are not affiliated directly with a church. Um, Dave and I um, had been in ministry. He was a full-time professional youth pastor for about 18 years. Every time we left the church, it was because of church politics. And when we left our last church um, and the youth ministry program, we decided that um, if this was the way youth ministry was going to be, we didn't ever want to leave youth ministry. And so 10 years later, I went on a mission trip to uh, the Navajo Nation in Arizona, and one of the things that we did was they had put on this youth work for the Navajo kids. And I had volunteered to do that um, and ran the whole thing by myself because people are afraid of teenagers. And so <laughs> I did it all by myself, and I got in the bus on the way back to the hotel after that. And I texted Dave immediately and said, I don't care what we do, we've got to do this again. And that was in September of 2016 when we opened our doors January 2017. So we have our um, nonprofit status book with the IRS since January 1. Um, we went through the whole registration process and just decided that this is what we're going to do. Um, and in this county, it's really hard. We've always been in small counties, and so we understand the stress that youth ministry puts on a church, um, the cost of a youth ministry program, the cost of a youth pastor. It's such a big vehicle to house people. And so we decided that we were going to do it all ourselves and be a parachurch organization, and that's what we did. And so we opened our doors, and we do have a board of directors and a sheriff's deputy on there, um, and a pastor, a local pastor, and the church is one of Navajo folks on our board. So um, it was great that when COVID hit, we were able to say to our nation, say, okay, what are your recommendations? 
um, which is great that we have a pastor on our board um, for the Sea Lions right now, Dave Beckford, who teaches kids and says he hires his family every night and he's not making a home for youth group, but if you learn, you need to get your family to youth group. <laughs> so um, it's been great. So that's what makes this unique. I, I was hoping you'd share that because I was thinking about what when sometimes the dynamics of the denominations and churches can then be different, but also realize that there's other challenges that go along with that. Uh, are there any of them that we should know about as far as challenges with not being connected to a specific church? Um, some of the challenges are things like because churches don't know um, us or, you know, pastors don't know our system or, um, you know, their families don't know us. They don't know what we're teaching. But we literally teach everything that's in the Bible the Bible. Um, if it's not in the Bible, we're not going to teach it. Um, if the Bible tends to, you know, go one way or another, um, the, for example, baptism. You can find evidence of immersion in the Bible. You can find evidence of immersion in the Bible. We will teach both. And then we tell the students, this is for you to talk to your parents about or to talk to your guides, and this is for you. Um, because we don't ever want to influence students in a way that their parents disagree with. So that's one of the challenges we have, because a, a parent can't look at our organization and say, oh, they're Baptist, oh, they're Presbyterian, oh, they're Methodist, that's what we're going to teach. No, we just teach everything that needs to be seen according to the Bible, and um, we're not going to shy over, you know, not to teach something because it's in there because it might be controversial for some people. So that means that maybe some denominations aren't necessarily aligned with that. That's true. Um, any other questions for you guys? So Taja's question was, do we have support for guidance from parents? Yes, we do. There's a special account um, where we have a parent or student setting up. Um, we do. We um, Dave and I have some really good systems um, that we can both point to when we need to. And then we also have um, our board of directors that is part of the system. We do that so that if there has been and help get people gifted to a particular system that way. Any other questions? Thank you, Dave. So on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, we usually do the presenter night before school, Sunday night before school. Um, we usually are op we open our doors 30 minutes early just so the students who come and hang out because our students have a lot of stuff for them to do. And with not doing the Friday nights, we want them to have a chance to kind of hang out a little bit. So we have a snack bar that they can try candy and soda and, and whatnot in, in the snack bar. And then when youth group starts, 
um, we typically do a Sunday next to Green Wing Day like we do at the Carlton Cathedral um, where we blindfold the students and then feed them something and then they have to guess what it is. Um, it's not always yummy in my opinion. Um, we actually found like fried crickets at the Mariners game one time and so we bought two packages of fried crickets and fed those to the students. Um, it's always people food, so it's always food that humans would eat. And then we always let the kids challenge us that if they think that Dave or I or one of the other classes would not eat it, that one of us has to eat it. Um, the nice thing is they typically take that. <laughs> or usually it's something Dave will eat or I will eat, and so they usually take it. Um, Micah actually came one night, and he did mystery food, and he ate silkworms. Yes. They were like canned silkworms and stuff. Um, but because he's an adult, Dave and I were like, woohoo, you don't have to do it. <laughs> so that is what we typically do in the beginning. And then we always do announcements because there's usually stuff coming up. We usually like to announce for the project that we can let the students advance or challenge if the students are not aware of what's coming up fun activities as well, and then we always do a message. Our message runs anywhere from usually 15 minutes to 45. It just depends on um, what the content is, the language, the personnel, and whatnot. And then we always play around with it then because we've got lots of students from the Dave Oak Kids Forum help or we play Mafia or Pictionary or Charades, um, that type of thing. So, And Empire, yeah, Empire is a fun one. We did when we were in the old building. We haven't done it in the new building yet. Um, I don't know why. Time, probably. <laughs> it just seems like we're always running out of time. Any other questions? <coughs> so the big event of the year, um, my favorite um, that I really look forward to comes on November 5th. We have found that when we try and do like a really big fun activity like Creation Festival, which is a four day long Christian worship festival, um, typically it's in, it used to be at the Gorge in Washington, which is a venue, and now it's like in Greenwich Bar at like the Fairgrounds in Washington, so it's kind of become at like the Fairgrounds. Um, what we have found is that when we plan something like that in the same year as like a mission trip that the students always want to do the fun thing but don't necessarily want to do the mission trip. So we have gotten to where we typically plan just a mission trip um, and that is usually one of the biggest highlights of the year because you really see um, students here. Um, we've taken two groups of teenagers to Haiti on a mission trip. And I think the first time we took eight students and the second time we took seven and it's amazing to watch their Christian trip go from just bomb to just bomb um, when they get back. And just the whole, um, their whole idea um, on life changes on the mission trip. So I think that it's been a lot of fun. And we actually did see some amazing things happen this past summer when we went to Montana. We went on a mission trip to um, help with the Royal Family Kids Camp, which is an organization that works with um, foster kids, sending them to, to summer camps for um, 
And where a person doesn't accept Jesus into their heart by the time they're 17, they have like a 6% chance of ever accepting the Lord. And I looked that up a couple of years ago to see what that stat was, and that it's now less than 4% chance of someone coming to know the Lord if they weren't coming to know them when they were 22. And so that just puts, um, I wouldn't say it puts pressure on Dave and I, but it just makes what we do that much more important in our lives, um, that these teenagers need to know Jesus, and they need to know um, what it means to be a Christian and um, to really walk the walk they're talking about and so that's really important to us to really grow these students to where they can um, stand up for their faith especially in these days So Phaedra asked in terms of outreach, saving or getting those unsaved kids to youth group, what could we do to help? Um, prayer would be number one. Um, we've really been tentative about outreach since March because of COVID and, um, you know, knowing that there's people in this county that um, would come in at the drop of a hat. Um, so it's been scary for us to try and do any kind of outreach, but we have been encouraging the students to bring their friends and to bring their kids there. Um, Friday night drop-ins is usually where we get most of our unsaved kids because they'll come with their friends and they'll want to have that evangelist event and give them some Bible training and whatever they go for that. Um, so I think right now prayer is the most important thing um, and maybe boldness for the students especially those that have come out of school, um, just that they would be bold in their faith and invite their friends that may not know the Lord. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. Please rise for prayer. And I'm going to turn this over to you at this time. Uh, any other questions for Eva? adults cannot get on, go on to campus and hang flyers, but we've had students hang flyers for us. Um, they just have to go and ask um, the principal if that's okay with them. Um, and usually um, the principals are okay with that because the students know. So we've done that in the past for students to get on flyers. Um, I always post our calendar um, windows in the building so that everybody walking by can see what's going on. And we posted it on Facebook pretty much while all the activities were posted there. And then it's pretty much just word of mouth at this point. Which usually gets around pretty good in around town. Um, at least since Michael didn't know that Eva's was here. <laughs> uh, I remember, I actually I think this is one thing to think about, is the students have way more freedom than teachers or any other employees. And I remember that from my experience. And so you're here, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're here to stay in a prepared environment for school, and the teachers are not taking care of you, but the students can as long as it's not interfering with basically the school program itself, which 
that needs to, and I hope that most uh, young people are realizing this, they can actually do a whole lot. And so our desire would be to, to see young people who feel a sense of boldness, feel like they can minister on school campuses and stuff, and they can be the ones who propel that ministry going forward in ways that we, we couldn't even touch. We always encourage our students, even in public school, but if they know it's a school decision, to ask the parents a question about the feedback. Um, because if they've been allowed to answer the question, they're, they can't bring it up themselves. So like if you've got a classroom and you're teaching about evolution, we always encourage our students to, to ask about feedback. You know, that's, that actually reminds me of one of my, I used to, I love the Christian t-shirts, but I always wanted the big bold ones. And I had this one, it was black, and it was white letters with also um, hotkeys letters on it, you know. And so it said, uh, all good people go to heaven. And this big hotkeys letter said not. And so I wore that to school. And what happened in that was one of the students saw that. They didn't feel comfortable to come talk to me about it, but they went to the teacher who wasn't Christian about it and asked them, what does that mean? And so that gave the teacher an opportunity to share their faith in within the right, you know, legalities, I guess you'd say. One of the other things we do that we're glad about this is when students participate in a service project, we always give them a really good grade um, because we want to encourage them. You know, if we're out doing a service project locally, we want the people around the school to get a chance to see that because that kind of gives us some advertising as well. You know, we have a lot of students that we go there to see. Oh, this was a question that was thrown around. So what do you guys love the most about teaching? Hearing the students in the classroom um, is probably the thing that we love the most. Um, you know, we don't get paid to do this, but we get paid um, by students making good choices. We had a student in our second ministry that we were in Wednesday night middle school youth group through the high school season in senior age at the time. And we were sitting in finishing up high, uh, middle school youth group and she came in and she flopped down in the back and she sat there with her arms crossed. And you could tell by the look on her face, she was just mad as a hornet. And so when youth group got over, we asked her what was going on and she says, I hope you guys know you've ruined my night. And we're like, how did we ruin your night? We've been here all night. And she said, all my friends were going to the movies, and they were going to go see whatever the movie was. And she said, and I looked up the review on gospelcom.net, and I realized that's not what I should be watching, so I didn't go. <laughs> and we're like, good choice, because it's amazing the content that is in movies nowadays that these students don't see. So because they're so used to it. For example, um, The Blair Witch Project, which was a movie that came out back in the early 2000s. Um, and it was a, I want to say it was a 93-minute movie, so just over an hour and a half, and it had 187 F-words. And when we read that movie review and the students were sitting in the room were like, well, I don't remember that. And it's because they're exposed to that all the time. You know, they're conditioned 
could not do that. And media today and television and movies and music is all conditioned for us to accept these things now. And so we try and teach these students these are not acceptable. And you know, I always tell students to Philippians 4, 8 everything. If it's not true, if it's not lovely, if it's not admirable, if it's not, you know, what is it? Prove up whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent, if praiseworthy, these are the things that you should be thinking about. And so I challenge the students to think about those things. And if they're going to be watching a movie or listening to something or TV shows, if it doesn't fit into those categories, maybe they shouldn't be putting it into their mind. Because what goes into your mind goes into your heart and comes out of your mouth. Any other advice as well? Yep. Any other questions from you guys? So uh, is there anything you can think of that we haven't asked you before? I was just thinking of this as a, as a quick answer. If you could say as a body, if you feel called to do something, but is there anything else that you can think of that we haven't
So like with you, Emily, I would probably just say I've talked to you and you said that that sounds like the most No, otherwise we would run a background check to make sure that all of our um, volunteers are of good standing. We do need help with our blinds. <laughs> Dave and I are just too busy to hang our blinds. We have nine sets of blinds that need to go up on our front windows. So anybody who's handy doing that, we would love to have help. Anybody else? I'm going to look like this is not the only <laughs> anybody else want to take the last
share a little bit more um, really my testimony going forward because again this goes back to the time of um, this youth ministry that employed you guys but I wanted to say this um, you know a lot of times ministries like this they don't necessarily need this whole church to volunteer or would they know what to do with you if they all volunteered at the same time and but they do need to know and I mentioned this before talking about godly leadership submission to godly leadership and what they do need to know is that you are praying for them you know a lot of people if you are praying i know we do a kind of a secret thing we're not out there for announcing praying and praying and praying but ministries union and those who are in ministry need to know that you are specifically praying for them and in many ways they need to know what to pray and the reason i say that is, is because there's things that happen there's testimonies that happen and they don't know that it was, they don't know who was praying. They, they get the sense somebody was praying, but they don't know who. And that makes it connect with some of those uh, testimonies of that's who was praying. And God answered that prayer. And so behind the ministries, the struggle I think that so many ministries are going through is they don't know how much support they get. And if, and what do we do? We wait till, you know, everything just went bankrupt and the ministry falls to pieces. If then we tell them how important they were. And this is the time we want to encourage because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what kind of, I mean, I, I get an idea of the busyness of scheduling. I still don't have an idea. And when you have work and other things to do in your ministry and on top of all of that and the stresses that they go through, they need to know that you care about them. So ask them. Ask Tina specifically uh, next week. Bombard her with this question, how's things going in the youth group? And, and get her to open up a little bit more about what the week looked like, what her prayer answers. And then that also tells you which direction to go. Because um, every one of us should be in that prayer line, right? I'm going to ask for one specific prayer request right now. I had a gal come to me who um, wants to start a young girls Bible study. And so I'm going to allow her to do the whole facilitating of it and I'll just be there but um, we put together some invitations yesterday and um, she's going to pass those out tonight at youth group and so we're going to start a girls bible study next Sunday night um, just that the Lord would bring Rachel's there that uh, Tina is there and that um, they would be receptive we've got a couple girls that were invited but we're not quite sure um, will want to participate if they can and share their out in their life about what God is doing. Yeah. And my whole testimony wraps around that, if you know. I didn't even minister with uh, any prayer, but the person that I talked to did. And uh, I can honestly tell you, I, I cannot see myself being here or my life being wrapped out the way it was without having that testimony. And some of you already know the testimony. I ended up living with for uh, quite quite a few years, I'd say, gosh, I guess it was probably three, four years that this uh, kind of, you know, life. And life in my home was chaotic. 
it was it was really bad. My wife, I was telling her the other night, I said, you share my testimony more than I do. Um, but because she looks, she sees it from a different perspective. But the reality was I did share with her that um, and what I needed was I needed uh, an environment that was safe. I needed an environment that was pure. I needed an environment that had God in it. And and you could have you would have looked at me in a youth group and you would have said, I don't think this is affecting him. I, I don't think it's reaching him. But I was coming there every day <clears throat> because I felt like there was something I needed. I just didn't know how to open my heart to it. And I was one of those kids that um, I never opened up in a conversation to you. And everybody would have felt like I don't, I can't talk to him. But I wanted, I desperately wanted somebody to open up to me. And I, I just didn't. I, I was such a, an introvert that I pushed people away without even realizing it. And this guy came to me, and he would say, "Are you happy?" Um, and he he just kind of opened up the conversation with me, "How are you doing?" And um, kind of put me in a position to act. And I remember feeling such a stirring from his witness that I went back home in my dark environment, and I got busy about prayer. And I meant business with God as just a teenage kid. And I remember there was such a change and transformation that had taken place in my life over a period of months and, and even over a few years. But it, had, it was so obvious to the kids in the youth group that I had some of them asking me about uh, if I was going to be in ministry. I remember I was in one time, I was out in the woods and fasting, three days fasting as a teenager. I mean, what? how many times do you hear a teenager on his own? You know, there was not youth group encouraged. It was just I saw another adult influence. I saw a godly influence in my life, and I wanted to emulate that. And I understand that. There's something in your life to be emulated. When you're living for the Lord, you have something in your life to be emulated. And you're like, I'm too old. I, I can't relate with young people. That doesn't matter most of the time. What they're looking for is a contrast in you that's attractive enough to say, I want that kind of son. And I saw that in that man. And every time he came back from a fast, it was like he was transformed. God had spoken to him. There was some anointing on his life because of it. And I wanted that for me. And so I would go out, and I went up to ABC Mountain Retreat over there on Culver, and I was fasting and praying. And I was still, I was like 19, 18. I don't remember how old I was at the time. And one of the guys there asked me if I was in ministry. And I was like, at this age? <laughs> But there was a sense there was a, there was a maturity about it that you just didn't. And I remember that was a season in my life. And guys, listen to me. When we pray for this youth group, pray beyond Dave and Tina. Pray beyond their influence. Pray for the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because when I went there and prayed, I remember I was in that last day of, of my prayer time it, alone with God. And I was singing the song. Anyway, I was just singing that song, and I had my hands lifted up on my thighs, excruciatingly hungry. I felt the presence of God, and I felt a tingling. And I can—I always describe this room. I felt a tingling in my hand like my fingers had gone to sleep. I know maybe some of you have felt that before. And it went down to my wrist and through my right arm. <clears throat> I had felt something similar to that before, but nothing any more than that. Then it moved over to my left arm. 
and it worked. It went down to my left arm and to my right arm. And then I could feel it in the top of my head. And it just like the electricity going back and forth, up and down my whole body. And I remember my mom coming to my heart. And that was one of those days I can say God played through me and gave me a new session for my mom like I've never had in my life. And it was like I had crystal clear spiritual understanding that you can't explain. We cannot explain what that's like. But as a young person feeling like that and feeling the call of God on me specifically, like God wouldn't be doing this if he didn't have a purpose in my life. And there was a whole lot more trials, a whole lot more to come. But that was a setup for me for my future, what God had intended for me. And I say that because I'm like, here we are, some of us as adults, and I want you guys to have a vision for what God wants to do in these young people. And if the presence of the Lord touches them like he did me, I've always thought that. God, all you have to do, meet them in that, that experience. Let them have that for themselves. They will never be the same. They will never be the same. Youth ministries won't be struggling to get them to do what's right <laughs> and what God wants for them to do. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you guys to pray for young people because I believe <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. I believe that if we're going to see that happen here in this county, I believe it's because people really mean business with God. They go, I see the vision for that, and the Holy Spirit's going to talk. And, you know, I, I don't believe it's necessarily somebody said something that the Spirit of God hit them with. It's the Spirit of the Lord hits them in the middle of that meeting, begins to expose things in their life and heart, and brings a revelation to them that totally transforms their life. That one young person that experiences that, and it changes the whole atmosphere for them. Thank you, Robert. I did want to say um, we do have an open-door policy um, for parents with kids at home. Like, as soon as it comes to our program, we have an open-door policy um, for all the young people. Um, I didn't want to sound like we didn't want them at all. Um, but we are um, very transparent. are already saying, what can we do? That question is always going on. And we just pray throughout the weeks that Tina will hear from each one of us how things going in the ministry. Lord, I, I pray tirelessly that the answer will come to us. And God, I, I pray for that because I think you, you're already raising up those who have a sense and a heart and a, an inspiration and a prayer for the young people of this community. And even if we have failed, we, Lord, we want to step it up presence and glory there. Father, I think prayer is the greatest ministry in the world. Lord, the man that stands behind the pulpit is not the subject, it's the spirit that's been praying. 
Lord, he's only walking in the imagination of the human heart. He's only paralyzed by the words of men. And so, God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is doing his work through the people here, working with all of us day in and day out as a church. And, Father, I pray for us at every outreach, Lord, that as men at work that we're praying constantly, that these are the things that are important to us um, while we're on our jobs. God, we just give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for this ministry. Thank you for young people today. Thank you for those who will truly be born again, who will be regenerated. Their lives will be transformed by the name of Jesus, the name which is above every name. And God, thank you for the renewing and empowerment of your spirit for Dave and Tina as they go forward. And Jesus, as you continue to roll over in their hearts, vision for this ministry. And God, we're just going to give you praise and thank you for everything that you do. Lord, continue, Lord, to manifest your presence in Wallowick. Make yourself known here. Lord, radically make yourself known. Jesus, change our concepts and our understandings of what is uh, capable of happening in the life of a person who gets to know Jesus. And Father, we just pray you'll turn the world upside down. Just a few of these young people. For your namesake. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and continue to just do what you're doing, and we will going to give you our praise because we can't help but do it. In Jesus' name.